Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. Good morning. I have my hands full this morning. It's, um, today's a busy day in the life of our congregation. Lots going on. It's, uh, Becca listed all of those announcements, and then she said, there's things on the digital bulletin that I haven't mentioned because in the life of our congregation. So um, one, of the, one of the things, I have a few pieces of family business to take care of before I get into Colossians 3 and talk about what uh, the Lord has for us this morning from his word. But first, I need Dave Waltner. I need Dave Waltner. David, would you come forward? This is David Waltner. David is a former pastor in the Church of the Nazarene. He has retired from ministry and retired from his professional life doing maintenance in a variety of different settings. And he has uh, come and been a part of our congregation and a member here at First Nas. Come all the way onto the platform. I know you're not shy. I know you're not shy, so don't, uh, don't act like you're, you're shy. Uh, David, David is... You're afraid. <laughs> Last time I asked men to join me on the platform, I dunked them in the tank. So, um, David, David is, a, is a man who invests hours and hours in the kingdom of God. He does things like he preaches in local churches that are without pastors or in small churches in our area that when the pastor wants to take vacation, David is the first phone call for many of those pastors. David is the is the second phone call I make for most maintenance and problems in the church. Uh, Terry Beatles is our is our uh, head groundskeeper around here and, and the chair of our, our buildings and properties. So I'll call Terry and I'll say, Terry, uh, this is happening. And he'll say, call David. <laughs> David, David is the, the type of person who calls Terry and says, what projects are we going to be working on in the, around the church in the future? Maybe I'll go get started on them. David is the kind of person who, who hears word that something is going to be, be started around the church, and he'll go and he'll check it out and see what needs to, to happen in order to, to make that project come to fruition. And so we, as a congregation, we want to just honor David and, and recognize his service here to us at First Naz and recognize that we're just receiving a few years of, of a heart of a servant who has been serving his church uh, for, for decades. And so I want to just say thank you. We, we do that. We have a special way in the Church of the Nazarene of recognizing people, and that's through what we call a Distinguished Service Award. And so a, a Distinguished Service Award is that our missions folks, last week we were talking a lot about missions and how to missionary, our missions folks send some money to our, our uh, denominational headquarters in David's name to, to support missionary health care. The money goes to support missionary health care. But it's, a, it's a, just a, a way for us to, to recognize a servant of the Lord. And so this is a Distinguished Service Award. It says, Lewiston First Church in the Nazarene, takes pleasure in presenting this certificate to David Waltner with deep appreciation for the countless hours of work you have given to maintain and update our church building and for your heart for God that shows in the many ways you have helped others locally and around the world. David, we just want to say thank you. God bless you. And just uh, recognize that your church sees 
a portion of what you do. And we give thanks to you and give thanks to God for, for all that you do. Thank you, Wendy. David asked if he could give a speech now, and I said no. <laughs> Let me do just a little bit more housekeeping before I, I start talking this morning about what the message the Lord's laid on my heart for us. The Becca mentioned that family camp registration is starting today. I went up a week, ten, two weeks ago to camp Sanders and check things out with Pastor Bill and a few other of our volunteers that will be helping out at Camp Sanders. I, uh, I want to ac adequately, accurately set your expectations for family camp. Camp Sanders is a bit rustic, so if you're expecting two bathrobes in every room, maybe you should just, it's not too far to drive from the Coeur d'Alene Resort every day, and if that's your expectation, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're not going to hit that expectation. Now, if your expectation is to sleep in a tent on the dirt, uh, we can do a little bit better. We have, we have bunk beds, and we have, we, ha we have enough sleeping spaces that every family unit should have a private sleeping area for yourself. And so family units, as you sign up, will try to assign, and, and there should be enough space at Camp Sanders that all of our family units that, that sign up will have, have a space. We may have space for single men and single women that's more bunk style, bunkhouse style, but there's quite a bit of space, and I think we'll be able to spread out and still have some privacy in those areas if we have single folks sign up. And we may have enough private space. Now, most of the private spaces for family units have at least a sink. Some have a private toilet. Most, most uh, mean that you have to take your towel and your, your overnight bag and you have to walk to a shower. So just, just so our expectations are set adequately, no two bathrobe situations in any of the rooms, but slightly better than tenting. We, we also have, if you want to tent, you're welcome. And we also have space for, for 10 to a dozen RVs. And so if you have an RV and you want to bring the RV, there's space, there's hookups for some, there's not hookups probably for all. So Sign up, let us know what type of accommodation you need, how many in your family, and we'll try to distribute as fairly as possible the spaces that, that are available. That's Camp Sanders. It's a bit rustic. It will, be so, it will be so much fun. It will be so much fun. It's two nights. You can, you can walk to the shower for two showers. It'll be all right. Uh, just another family business Peace. We text a lot from the church, and you haven't received any texts. A couple of Sundays ago, you got a text that said something about your subscription to First Nas Texts. If you get First Nas Texts, um, our texting company that we were using made some changes, and they kicked us out. Is that that's not? 
completely accurate. But essentially, we were kicked out. And uh, so Pastor Bill has been working hard on getting us set up with a new texting system. So you're not receiving text right now. I say that because on Thursday mornings, we have 6 a.m. prayer via Zoom, and I always say the link will be text to you. The link will not be text to you. The link will be emailed to you if you're on the prayer email list, or it'll be on Facebook. So uh, 6 a.m. prayer is happening this Thursday morning. Be a part of, oh, I'm double booked on Thursday morning. <laughs> I just realized. Thursday morning will, prayer will happen at 6 a.m., uh, and so we'll, we'll, it will happen. Um, this is so embarrassing, man, that's bad. Okay, did I have any other family business I needed to cover before I started talking? Pray for me, my voice is going, I'm going to try to be brief, but <laughs> good luck. Um, last fall, I had been here for just around six months, and I began to see that we were, we were in a position as a congregation of sort of restarting a lot of ministries. You know, COVID and pastoral transition had really brought a pause, hit, a, hit kind of a reset pause button on a lot of the programming that we had been doing as a church. And so I arrived last February as your pastor, February of 2021, and there, there wasn't a lot of, of regular programming. And so just sort of by instinct, I started putting some programming pieces together. And in talking with the church board, we decided we wanted to be more strategic than I was being. I was just kind of following my instincts. We wanted to be more strategic about how we program and the things that we're doing around here. And so we, we decided to try to lean on some of the strategic thinkers and, and talented people in, in our midst to try to help with that. I don't consider myself a particularly visionary person. I'm, I'm good at following a plan, and so I thought if I could get some help making a plan, uh, we, can, we could follow that together as a congregation pretty well. So last, last uh, October and into November, I started working with Greg McCracken, who is a longtime First Nazar. He's I think he's bouncing a baby somewhere. Or I'm not sure where he is. Is he... Oh, he's traveling. He travels all the time for his job. Greg is an architect who works with school districts, and he, he gathers communities to talk about new schools that are being built. And he, he is the type of person that can gather a group with diverse opinions and diverse priorities, and he can help them focus into, into a unified vision and plan for moving forward. And so I asked Greg to, to help us as a congregation to, to plan for the future and look into the future. And so Greg encouraged me to get a diverse group of people in our congregation together in order to start planning toward the future. And so I gathered as diverse a group as I possibly could. I invited folks who have been in the church for, for years and years and have been kind of the, the pillars of this congregation for, for decades. And, and I gathered some young people. I had a couple of teenagers that I invited into the process. I had people who are newer to our church and, and folks who have 
uh, only been attending for, for a couple of years. And so I, I had a really diverse group of people that got together over the course of about four months. We met periodically, and we, we worked together to, to make a strategic plan. And during that process, we, we prayed a lot, we worked together a lot, we, com we committed to, to, to just hearing each other's voice and, and working together to, to do our best together, to, to hear God's, God's voice for us as a congregation. So I'm going to ask the people that were a part of that to stand, just so that folks can see kind of the diverse, this is the most eclectic group, stand now, this is the most eclectic group of First Nazars that I could gather. Stand up, Jacob. Uh, Jacob was a part of it. So th this is, <laughs> this is, uh, this and a handful of other folks, there's a couple of guys up in the, in the balcony, there were about, we gathered, uh, there were 20 of us uh, as we gathered each time, and that means there were 25 or so involved in the process, because not everybody could make it every time, but we had about 20, 20 of us each time just dreaming and thinking. We had a, a group led by Reagan intentionally praying for the process the, the entire time, and uh, we, we, I think we did all right. Now, we needed to be limited in the scope of what we did. We needed to be limited in, in because, you know, we, we weren't going to start from scratch. We, we as First Naz, as Lewiston First Church of the Nazarene, we were committed, were committed to being a local church, right? We weren't going to shut the doors and open the tire and lube shop. We weren't going to, I mean, that's a good thing to do, but we, we are committed to, to being a local church, and so we committed to, to doing local church type things, but we're also committed to being a local church of the Nazarene. We are part of a denomination called the Church of the Nazarene, and we are committed to being, being a part of our denomination. And so as being a part of the Church of the Nazarene, we already have a mission statement that comes from, from our denomination. And the mission statement for, for us as a denomination, it's right here. The mission of the Church of the Nazarene is making Christ-like disciples in the nations. And so that is, is what we are, we are about. We, we're not going to change particularly what, what we do uh, beyond making Christ-like disciples in the nations. As a church in the Nazarene, then we also have some core values that we use as, as guiding principles for us, for to how we identify ourselves and focus ourselves further. And, and those are that we are Christian, we are holiness, and we are missional. And those three, those three pieces really help us to, to focus on what we're doing and to not focus on things that we're not supposed to be doing. And so as, as a local church of the Nazarene, we, we kind of agree with and, and promote these visions, these core values and this, this mission as a church. And then we, we stand as a local congregation, we stand in, in line and under the authority of our denomination. So first, we're part of a district. We're part of the Northwest District, which is northern Idaho and eastern Washington, and then uh, a little divot out of northern Oregon that we, we are part of the Northwest District Church of the Nazarene. We had a handful of members go last month in April to our district assembly, and, and our district superintendent, uh, Dave Morey, is our our kind of our head pastor over the, the district. 
And so we, we stand under, under the Northwest District, but then we, under, we also stand under the global church of the Nazarene. John Fisher, our missionary last week, talked about being part of this global body, this global church that we are part of. And, and so we stand under the authority of, of the, the General Assembly of the Church of the Nazarene that meets every four years, and then our six general superintendents. And last fall, when we celebrated our centennial, we had Dr. Philly Chombo here, who is one of our six general superintendents, and he represents the global church. And so we are, we are a part of this denomination. And so the, these general identifying marks, they, they don't change within our denomination. Alyssa and I have been in churches in the Nazarene all over the U.S. and all over Latin America, and basically you get making Christ-like disciples in the nations, a Christian church, a church that believes in holiness, and a church that's missional. The, those are the identifying marks of the Church of the Nazarene wherever you go in the world and encounter the Church of the Nazarene. We are a church, it, it just kind of focusing on what it means to be Christian, we, we believe that Jesus is the only way for salvation. We believe that Scripture clearly points us to Jesus, and Scripture inspires us to follow Jesus. We are a Christian church. We particularly believe in the transforming power of the Holy Spirit so that our inclinations would be Jesus's inclinations, and that we would no longer live solely by our human inclinations, but Jesus would transform us so that we, we want what Jesus wants for our lives, and that is what it means to be a holiness church. And then we believe that we, we can't hide that message. We can't keep it within ourselves. We can't hoard it for ourselves, but we ought to give it away. And so we are a missional church that tries to spread that message. As a local church, though, as part of this, this larger structure, we recognize that there are ways in which our unique personality as a congregation, and let me tell you, we have a unique personality as a congregation, we, our unique personality as a congregation and, and our culture, the unique things about living in the Lewis-Clark Valley means that we need to focus on how we do this in the Lewis-Clark Valley, how we as a congregation fulfill the mission and, and what are the, the identifying marks and the ongoing practices that we are going to engage in in order to be a, a church that's making Christ-like disciples in the Lewis-Clark Valley. And, and working toward the nations, right? And so Greg and I, we, we were focused on these local first NAS sort of specifics. And, and we wanted to identify for our congregation what makes us unique. And, and then if possible, um, where we believe God is stretching us into the future, where we believe God is going to move us and how, how God is going to work. And so our team worked really hard and our team was really kind with one another. And our team, we had hard conversations and, and asked each other some hard questions. And I believe that the Lord honored the process and honored our efforts, and I'm excited to share the fruit of our labor. So we came up with a statement, and here's the statement. First NAS is, uh, First NAS is a growing community of all generations intentionally following Jesus, graciously doing life together, joyfully serving, everyone, uh, joyfully serving and loving everyone. I'm sorry, I'm thrown off because I messed up and I didn't include the first line that says, uh, a, gro a growing community of all generations. 
I apologize about that. The first thing is, is a growing community of all generations, intentionally following Jesus, graciously doing life together, joyfully serving, loving everyone. Now, there's too much conversation over the course of those months that we were meeting as a strategic committee to, to give you all of the details, all of the, all of the nerding out about whether it should be an adverb or an adjective or, I mean, if you can imagine that I got really excited about the possibility of using gerunds in each, uh, instead of adverbs. So we worked hard, and the committee was gracious and kind, and, and we prayed hard, and we believe that, that there's a lot of good that, that we've come up with. And let me share just a few things that I really appreciate about what we've come up with. I, I appreciate that this calls us to, to measure the, the quality of what we produce rather than just quantity. And so we, we are service-oriented people, but we don't want to just serve because, by golly, I have to serve. I, if, if I don't do it, nobody will, right? That's not why we serve. We serve joyfully. We serve out of a heart of gratitude to God that he's given us the ability we don't, we don't want to haphazardly follow Jesus. We want to intentionally follow Jesus. We don't want to just be stuck together. We want to graciously do community. And we're, we are not going to count it as success if we love nine-tenths of our community. We love everyone. And so the quality, I, I love that this, this, this challenges us toward quality. It challenges us also toward growth. It challenges us toward growth because I, I, I think this identifies us in a lot of ways. This really does truly say who we are in many, many ways. We are a church. My, my, we are a church of servants. We, we love to serve. My friend Todd says we're a church of doers. And we, we are a church that serves very well. We, we are a church that is intending to follow Jesus, intending to love everyone, intending to live life together. But it, this still challenges us to growth. In every one of these areas, there, there is an identifying mark. There's a piece of us that says, yes, we are that. But there's also a part of us that says, we are that, but we could do better. There, there is room for growth for us in, in each of these areas. And so it's, it's got a, a sense of, of pushing us forward uh, into the future, in, into being intentional uh, about our following Jesus, about uh, intentionally discipling one another, intentionally making Christ-like disciples right here and, and outside, uh, about being gracious as we live together, fulfilling those one another commandments in the New Testament. G Jesus gave the, that commandment, uh, the, the new command I give you, that you love one another, Jesus said. And, and so this, this piece of graciously uh, doing life together calls us to to love one another. And then loving everybody is about fulfilling the Great Commission to love our neighbors as ourselves, loving everyone around us as ourselves. It's about removing barriers to belonging because we recognize that in, in our world today, people need to belong before they believe. And so we want to, to be a place where, where folks can belong in order to believe. In order, and, and we believe that we should be stretched in, in our loving of others. Not expecting people who don't already know Jesus to clean their lives up before they come into the doors of the building and, and experience uh, the, 
the body of Christ and the blessing of community here. So over this month of May, I'm going to be going to be taking each one of these bullet points and, and kind of developing them a little bit further and looking at, at possibly what we do as, uh, as a church in order to live out these areas. And we'll, we'll do some things specifically each week to, to identify how, how we're going to follow. So, for example, we're doing the talent night on the 15th. That's the doing life together week. And so we just want to do life together. And Becca had it right. It's the from the outstanding to the absurd. So I know of at least one absurd talent that I'll be, be receiving that night. So uh, this week is an introduction. It's an introduction. I want to talk about our vision. I want to take that, that first piece that's not on the slide, unfortunately, and, and talk about what it means to be a growing community of all generations, what it means to be, to be this this body that we, we don't want to separate. Uh, we, we want to be growing in, in every generation. We, we believe that all generations are the church currently. And, and what does that mean? And so I'm going to, to turn to Colossians chapter 3 now and look at a passage that doesn't specifically mention generations, doesn't talk specifically about the, the different age groups that are in the church, but it does talk about all of the ways that the church could be divided. And, and it kind of tells believers that we, we need to get over it and we need to not allow ourselves to be divided in the ways that, that we might. So I'm going to be looking at Colossians chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. The Clarks read uh, through verse 11 in that passage, and I wanted them to read sort of an introduction to, to what I was, what I'm preaching. And so they read, they read all of the hard stuff that Paul talks about, about getting rid of the old life. And then Paul changes, changes from getting rid to taking on, to putting on. And so I'm, I'm not going to read the whole passage to you. I'm just going to go verse by verse, and it'll be in the PowerPoint. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm starting with verse 10, where Paul says, put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Paul, Paul is talking about the new identity that believers have. When, when a person believes in Jesus, a person has a new identity. Jesus has come to, to change us and transform us and make us new. And so he says, put on this new identity that, that God has given you. Now, I always, I, I can't take too deep a dive here, but I always want to make sure that I'm careful to say when we talk about the new identity that Jesus gives us, he's talking, Paul is talking about the way the Holy Spirit is at work in the lives of believers. This is not by the sheer will and determination of a believer that we become a new person. We become a new person because the Holy Spirit is at work, because we open our hearts and lives to the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and when we open ourselves and put ourselves in the way of the Holy Spirit as much as possible by, by, by doing the Christian disciplines, by worshiping together, by being stretched by our brothers and sisters, by putting our, our, our minds in Scripture, by opening our hearts in prayer, the Holy Spirit works on us, and he makes us new. He transforms us. He makes us into a new type of person. And so Paul is, is saying, put on that new nature. 
Do those things that will put yourself in the way of the Holy Spirit so you can, can receive that new identity. You can live into the new identity that the Lord has for you as you believe in him. And then with, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we put on the new nature. And Paul talks in verse 11 about how it's available to everyone. It's available to everyone. He, he says in verse 11, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. So Paul, in, in this passage, he's basically trying to encompass all of the divisions that people would make in the church based on somebody's past, based on, on the, the uh, household that somebody grew up in. And so when he talks about Jews and Gentiles and circumcised and uncircumcised, that's two ways of saying the same thing. And Paul, Paul says, you Jews who think that you're so much better than, than the Gentiles because you grew up knowing about God and you, you have lived by the rules all of your life, great, good for you. But the Gentiles who haven't grown up in, in following God all of their lives, who haven't done anything right, they can also experience the transforming power of God in their lives. It, you, you don't have to grow up in the church to be transformed by Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is in the business of transforming any life that comes to him, regardless of whether it came as a, as a child in the arms of a believing parent or it came late in life somebody who, who understood the gospel after years of living his, his or her own way. God, God is in the business of changing life. It doesn't matter if, if you're a Jew or a Gentile, uncircumcised or, or circumcised. It doesn't, doesn't matter if you've been following the rules all of your life or, or you haven't, you just come into it. Paul talks about uh, barbaric and uncivilized and slave and free. But uncivilized, if you have a different version, it probably says Scythian. And Scythian is, uh, the, the church in Colossae was, was in a, a port, and up the river a ways were, were people that they, the, the, the city folk looked, their, looked down their noses at, the Scythians. They were, they were the hicks from the sticks. They were the folks that just didn't, didn't belong, just didn't belong. And so in Roman culture, if there was a play that had like a foolish character, it was a Scythian, the Scythians. These were the people that everybody could pick on, and it was fair game. And so the Scythians, Paul says, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if, if you are a laughing stock. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're, if you're civilized and, and you think you're better than everybody else. God wants to transform your life. He talks about free and slave. He says, the poorest of the poor and the richest of the rich. Jesus is in the business of transforming all of those people. Jesus wants to transform lives regardless of, of where you come from. There is no distinction. And so Paul, Paul goes through these various groups of people and, and these various backgrounds that might cause division within the church. He says, all of you, all of you are in Christ. It doesn't matter what you want to hold on to to divide you. You are all in Christ. Christ is in all, and Christ is all that matters. So stop trying to divide because of your past. 
Stop trying to say, oh, I grew up in the church, so <laughs> I, I know what's best for everyone else. Stop, stop trying to, to believe that because you, you came late in life to Christ that, that you have a better testimony or you, you deserve a better spot in the, in the church. Stop trying to believe that because you are, you are poor or you are rich, you have a special spot in the church. Paul says, Christ is all that matters. Don't let anything divide you. He doesn't mention specifically generation lines, but this is, this is I believe, where we would talk about young and old. Paul says, you, you, you who have been in the church for years and years, you, you who have laid a foundation, you must recognize that your younger brothers and sisters are also in Christ and are also welcome. You younger brothers and sisters, you, you must recognize that even though someone's faith has matured and it looks different than your faith looks, they, they are transformed by Christ. They have a place in the body. And so Paul, Paul talks about all these divisions. He says, doesn't matter. doesn't matter because Jesus is in all and Jesus is all that matters. And, and so we cannot continue, continue to divide. I believe that we are a fairly unified church as a congregation right here in Lewiston, Idaho. I don't think that uh, this is, this is a, 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 a blaring issue for us. Uh, but um, even in a church where, where there is a lot of unity and a lot of mutual respect, we need to continue to, to cultivate our relationships with one another. We need to continue to press toward one another even when we think we might not get along, even when we think there's reason for division, because relationships easily grow cold. You know, time, time makes relationships grow cold naturally. And so we, we must continue to pursue one another. We must continue to, to look for relationship, look for opportunities to connect one with another across generational lines so that we can be a, a community of all generations, a growing community of all generations. We are, we are people who, who love compels us to, to pursue one another, to, to invest in our relationships with one another. And so Paul goes on from here, and he says there are some specific attitudes and actions that we need to take in order to live this renewed life, this renewed life that is available to all of us. And so if all of us are living this renewed life, regardless of our background, regardless of our age, all of us then live in some specific ways. And in verse 12, he says, uh, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Each of these, Paul, Paul calls us to uh, clothe ourselves with each of these things. Each of these, these um, oh, what's the word for them? Good things. All these good things <laughs> require relationship to be shown, right? Uh, all, all of these, you, you can't do any of these alone. I mean, you can, you can say you're, you're patient with yourself, I suppose. You can say you're, you're gentle with yourself, but that's just kind of selfishness. Uh, we, we, in order to be transformed and to live like Christ, we have to live out patience and, and humility and kindness 
and gentleness and mercy in relationship. The church calls us to live in relationship. And I believe that, that Paul is addressing specifically our relationships within the church uh, as he tells us to be kind and merciful and humble and gentle and patient. And, and in verse 13, I, I think gives me gives me the reason why I believe that. He says in verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. It, this idea, this each other that Paul mentions here, make allowance for each other's faults. Uh, it, it, it means that Paul is talking on, on the body of believers, people who were reading his book. As, as, as they read his letter, they were supposed to look around and say, oh yeah, I have to make allowance for his faults. I have to make allowance for her faults. And, and so Paul is, is calling the church to be merciful and kind and humble and gentle and patient uh, with each other, with one another. And, and in the church, if we're really doing life together, we are destined to, to get to know one another well enough to know our faults, right? Uh, as uh, I've, I've been here a little over a year, you know some of my faults. You, you know some of the things I don't do very well. You know some of the ways that I talk too much sometimes, especially on Sunday mornings at about 11. That's a fault. Paul says you have to, have to put up with one another's faults. Ha, ha, ha. Paul says you have to put up with one another's faults. Notice he says, make allowance for each other's faults. He doesn't say make allowance for one another's sins. If, if in my talking too much, I was gossiping or, or saying lies, as my Christian brothers and sisters, you would need to correct me. But he says, we make allowance for one another's faults. And faults, we're going to have. Uh, we, we can correct one another when, when it becomes an issue of sin. And so we, we make allowance for imperfections, and Paul goes on with, with kind of a little bit of a, a summary up to this point in verses 14 and 15 when he says, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So Paul summarizes all of these types of behaviors with, with one word. He says, close yourselves with love. Love is, is the summary, summary of all of these behaviors that we, we are supposed to have as we are kind and humble and gentle. Uh, love, love will call us uh, to, to live closely with one another. It will, it will bind us together and make us, make us into one body. And so Paul says, uh, that with, within the church, as, as we do this, we are, we are loving. And, and Jesus says that love is the identifying mark of the church, right? Jesus says that they will know you're Christians by your love, love for one another, that, that we would be bound by love and that our love, one for another, would be the identifying mark for the world around us to see. Now, I, I want to acknowledge that these commands pertain to our relationships in the church, so that means, therefore, that we can just be jerks to anybody who's not in the church, right? Paul, Paul kind of sees that, that line of thinking coming, and in chapter 4, in, in verses uh, 5 and 6, he says, "...live wisely among those who are not believers." 
and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. We are called to, to live this way with, when we're outside of the walls of the church. We, we are called for identity for, to be by our love for one another, but we're supposed to be loving those who are outside of the church with the same type of love, recognizing that they might not reciprocate, recognizing that they may, they may try to walk away from, from the love that we express, but also sometimes they may say, hey, I want to be a part of that. I want to be in a community that loves like that. Our Christian culture often gets this wrong. We, we often show more mercy and kindness and, and we excuse and overlook not just faults but sins within the church while outside of the church we look at sins with a judgmental, condemning attitude with a heart that doesn't look to, to extend mercy. And so this is a challenging passage for us. Uh, we, we need to make the most of every opportunity by, by showing this kind of kindness, mercy, humility, gentleness, and patience with, with those we come into contact with, within the church and outside. Now, the final word of this passage comes in, in verses 16 and 17 that I'm looking at this morning. In verses 16 and 17, Paul says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And so Paul turns in, in this last little bit to, to our mutual edification, our mutual building one another up. He, he says we, we need in one another and implied in this, this each other is, is all of us doing all of these things. We, we are called to teach and counsel one another. We, we are called to sing spiritual songs and hymns with thankful, thankful hearts in the context of, of one another, within the context of the body. I believe Paul is calling us to do these things. So, so we're to, to encourage one another. We need each other in the church for, for mutual encouragement because sometimes you're down and I'm not and sometimes I'm down and you're not and, and if we work together, we can carry on together. We can work together and, and live together and move forward together. And so we need, we need to share wisdom. We need to, to teach and counsel one another. We, we need to sing psalms and, and encouraging one another in worship. And going back to the, to the divisions that, that Paul mentioned earlier, the, the Jew and Gentile and Scythian and barbarian and slave and free, as we add generations, Paul, Paul would say, you know, we are as, as builders and boomers and Gen Xers and millennials and Gen Zers and whatever other generation there might be, uh, we need one another. We, we, across the generational lines, need to teach and counsel with the wisdom that God gives, to sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with, uh, to God with thanks in our hearts together. We do, we do these things together. We live in this body together, all generations working together. And so I, I want to say to, to the folks who have been pillars of this church for years and years, God bless you and thank you. You are not the church of the past. You are the church. 
We need, we continue to need your wisdom and guidance. We continue to need your, your prayers and your support. You have brought this church to, to make it what it is today. I think we're living in some of the best days in the history of this church. You've brought us here. We need your continued wisdom. We need your continued help moving forward. And, and then I would say to, to younger people, high school students, junior high students, elementary students, children, you are not the church of the future. You are the church. This is your church. This is the place for you to experience your faith, to, to dig in and serve, to grow with us, to ask questions that, that make us older folks squirm and make us wonder and question ourselves. We need you to share your wisdom because whether you've been told or not, you have wisdom because the Lord is working in you and we benefit when, when you speak up. We, we are a church that's seeking to be a, glo- a growing community of all generations. We, that's our intention. We're not very good at it all the time. And we fail. We, we blow it. We do things that miss entire segments of our congregation because, because we're not thinking about how, how older folks connect. Or we're not thinking about what younger folks think will be cool. And, you know, sometimes we do things that, you know, I'm glad the teens have Wednesday night to do things that they think are fun because I don't think everything you guys do on Wednesday night is all that fun. Sorry. <laughs> but we, we recognize that we, we do have differences with, between our generations, but we need one another. And we don't represent the body of Christ without one another. And no generation can say, mm, I, I don't need those folks. I don't need them. They, they, they don't get it. They, they can't understand. No generation can, can write, them off, write another generation off. And so we, we are a growing community of all generations, working together. I hope, that, I hope that you are inspired to be a part of this community. Uh, I, I really, I, I, maybe I do just say it because I'm the pastor right now, but I, man, I think we are in some of the best days and, and we are poised for, for great things in the life of this congregation. Um, we, I hope that, that you will dig in and, and invest in this body and find relationships with folks that you don't already have relationships with and realize the richness and depth and the treasure that, that is this congregation. Folks from lots of different walks of life. Folks from every generation living on earth. Folks from... from all kinds of different life experience that have, have come together and, and together, I, I believe that we can honor Jesus' vision for the church, being the body that loves so well that the world looks at us and say, they must be Christians because they love one another so well. I, I really think that we, we are walking in the right way we have growth to, to accomplish still. We still are, we, we have aspirations for how we can do it better. But I, I hope that you, you will recognize that this is a place where, where you can become the, the Christian that God has called you to be. You can, you can experience the new transformed life that Jesus has for you.
as you walk with us and walk in obedience to him. So we're going to end today with communion, and we do that every first Sunday of the month. Uh, if you don't have elements, uh, Ken and Gina are going to pass out elements. If you don't have them in just a minute, they'll be walking around the sanctuary and, and help you. We take communion the first Sunday of every month for a couple of reasons. Uh, just as a rhythm, because it helps us to, to remember. It helps the preacher to remember. And uh, it's we, we want to commit to, to participating in this meal. This is, this is a meal that Jesus commanded his disciples to take, to, to receive the, the body and blood of our Lord. Uh, we, we take it on the first Sunday of the month also because this is our family Sunday. We keep our kids in. We don't send children to children's church we we believe in the full participation of our youth and children. We believe that they, as soon as they put their faith in Jesus, they they are called to participate in the entire life of the body, receiving the sacraments, listening to the word of God, worshiping and praying together. That's why we have, over the last few months, tried to be a little more intentional about using families like the Clarks. Thank you, Clark family, for reading scripture this morning. We've tried to, to incorporate the generations because we tend to be a little bit older on the platform sometimes. So we've particularly wanted to add some of our, some of our children and youth. And Jordan praying this morning. Thank you, Jordan. We, we also uh, have in, been intending to um, make connections with, within the generations. Uh, I'm getting off topic. We, we do this when everybody is gathered together so that everybody will, will recognize that they can participate fully in the life of the church and in the sacraments of the church. So we come to this meal, this meal that Jesus has, has called us to. We remember when, when Jesus gave this meal to his disciples, he, he told them to do this regularly in remembrance of him. As, as a church, we recognize that we come to this table as one body. Jesus is our host here. And so we, we do this on the first Sunday of the month because we come as one. It, we could theoretically serve communion here and have communion down in the, in the Lord Chapel for our children's church. But we want to do this as one with as few divisions as possible. We, we want to come together and as one body receive from our one host who is Jesus. And so in our church, we, we don't make you be a member. We don't, we don't say you have to be baptized to, be, to receive communion. But we, we ask that anybody who would receive with us would be earnestly seeking God's face. You would be seeking that new quality of life that Paul talks about. You would be working to put on the new life that Jesus has, has offered us. So if, if you are willing to walk that road with us, we invite you to receive we also remember when we take communion that the, these, are, these are emblems of Jesus' broken body and, and shed blood. The, they remind us of Jesus' work when he died on the cross for us and rose again. But they also remind us that Jesus has not finished his work here on earth. And he will come again. And he will set all things right. And so in anticipation, we receive this meal. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to come together as one body, as one group of believers 
here in your presence, united by the one Holy Spirit that is working in us, united by, by our commitment to this place and to this body to be a, a growing community of all generations, Lord. We come with Jesus, our host, ready to sit at his table and receive from him. And so we remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and gave thanks to you. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. And afterward, he took the cup, he gave thanks, and he gave it to his disciples and said, take and drink. This is my blood, which is poured out for you, the new covenant that is made in my blood. And so, Lord, remembering these your mighty acts in Christ Jesus, we ask now that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon these gifts of bread and juice, that they would be for us the body and blood of Jesus, that we may be for the world his body, redeemed by his blood. Lord, we, we thank you that you invite us to this table, each of us individually, each of us right where we're at, each of us from, from the week that we've had and the week that we'll go into. But you invite us as one. We all come together to receive from Jesus. And so, Lord, remembering this, we, we give you thanks. We open our hearts to receive the grace that is available from Jesus in this. It is in his name we pray. Amen. I invite you to take the bread. And I remind you that this is the body of Jesus broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of him. And the cup, this is the cup of the new covenant made in Jesus' blood, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink in remembrance of him. Will you stand with me? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have allowed us to participate in this holy mystery. Thank you that you sent Jesus to invite us to this table to receive from his hand this grace. This grace that works in our hearts so that we can put on a new nature. That regardless of where we've come from, regardless of what our past is, you welcome us. You offer to transform us. We thank you. We thank you, Lord that you have made this free offer and that we have received of this free offer. We don't understand all of the ins and outs and how it works perfectly. But Lord, we want to walk in this new quality of life that Jesus offers. And Lord, in this group, we want to, we want to do that together. We want to be a body of all generations that is is cheering one another on as we get closer to Jesus, as we become more like Jesus, as our inclinations change to Jesus's inclinations for our lives. So, Lord, we pray that this grace would continue to be at work in us as we, as we greet one another and say, say goodbye now. As we go into this week, Lord, we invite this grace to continue to transform us. And we invite this grace to continue to unite us as a congregation that we would love one another well, that it would be the distinguishing mark of who we are, 
And Lord, that we would, we would be generous with this love in our community. Oh Lord, it's a lot to ask. But because you are God, we believe that you can do these things. And so in confidence, we raise our prayer to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.